Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Susanna. Always appreciate it. And David, welcome back home. Thanks for joining us again today and filling in. Well, it's the last Sabbath of February, and this month we've been talking about connections. We started out with talking about uh, just love in general. Does anybody remember the four Greek uh, letters, uh, words of love that we talked about? Agape? I'm sorry? Phileo, okay, which is brotherly love. Anybody else remember the other types of love that we talked about? Eros, which is the passion, young newlyweds experience. And then finally, storge, which is the familial love. Today we're going to talk about the, uh, the agape, the, the general universal love that God has, and that we also should have for our, our neighbor. God obviously called us to, to love one another, to love as uh, we should uh, love and care for ourselves. Now, there's a story told of a man. His name was Jack. Jack was a hard man. He was a difficult man. He worked hard. He drank hard. He fought hard. And he was harsh and sometimes gruff in his manner. Many people were a bit fearful of Jack. Anybody know a, a Jack in their life? Got a couple, okay. Maybe they're a family member. Maybe they're a friend. But Jack had a friend. A neighbor. And this neighbor, I don't know the name of this neighbor, so let's just call him Mike. Mike had it in his heart to pray for Jack. Just every day, just pray for him. Ultimately, he desired that, that Jack would know Jesus, and so he just started to pray. Well, one day, he went over, and he just stopped by the fence. He saw Jack working in his lawn, and he said, Hey, Jack, how you doing? Jack kind of... Grumbled, hey, uh, I'm fine. Didn't think much of it. And every day he would do this. He saw Jack in the yard. Mike would just say, hey, Jack, good to see you. Well, sometimes he would uh, take over cookies or homemade bread that Mike's wife would make. And it was good bread. It was good cookies, much like my wife's lovely baking. So, um, and... To Jack, this is more of an annoyance. It's like, oh, why does this guy keep bothering me? <laughs> and then one day, as Jack was working on his lawn, Mike came out, started to talk. And Mike bravely asked, hey, Jack, you ever think about God? Jack immediately said, I don't talk about God, don't want to be interested in God, have no reason to talk about God. That was it. Well, some time passes by, several years actually. Mike, being a faithful neighbor, 
always looking out for Jack, checking on him, seeing how he's doing. And then one fateful day, Jack's son was killed in a boating accident. Mike went over to give his condolences to say, hey, I'm really sorry. He'd seen his son grow up. He was a good boy. And poor Jack didn't say anything. He just sat there. And then finally, overcoming with grief, he started to cry. And it started with a little tear and then a couple of more tears until finally the dam broke and all of the grief came out and started to sob uncontrollably. Mike, standing there, didn't know what to do. <laughs> he never experienced this. He came over and he put his hand on Jack's shoulder. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and he, he just stayed with him as Jack continued to grieve. Some time passed and Jack finally was able to get a hold of himself. And they eventually started to talk. Jack indicated that his son was his only child that he'd ever had. And he felt that he had failed as a father. His son had actually even tried to talk to him about Jesus prior to, but in Jack's mind, People who were Christians were weak. There was something, they needed something to feel good about themselves. But then Jack says, Mike, will my son be in heaven? Mike said, well, God, if he believes in God, yeah, absolutely, he will be. And Jack responded with, I hope his mother will be too. Mike then also said, Jack, there's also no other reason why you wouldn't be able to be there either. Why, why, uh, maybe you two may want to be there as well. Sometime again passes by. It's February. Mike notices a change in Jack. He notices that he's not drunk anymore. He doesn't smell the smoke on him anymore. He's not as gruff or is angry. And Mike had the courage, he, he got the courage up and asked, uh, hey Jack, would you like to come over and watch the Super Bowl with me this Sunday? Jack thought about it for a little bit. Said, um, yeah, I'll come join you for the Super Bowl. So time passes by. That Sunday, Jack came over. In his hand was a cup not with alcohol, with mint tea. <laughs> Something that somebody has suggested, it's good for you. It was better than the bottle that he usually carried around. He needed to have something in his hand. So he thought, well, mint tea. Better than soda, he said as well. So they start to watch the game. They watch and it's a good game. It's, it's a nail biter. Finally, everything comes to, uh, to an end and the winning team is celebrating. Mike turns the volume down and Jack is just staring at the TV. Says, Mike, I wanna ask you something. Is it possible for me to be saved? To which Mike said, Jack, absolutely. 
I think I'm ready, Mike. And it was there that Mike walked Jack through a prayer of grace and love and asking Jesus to be in his heart. Painful, but tragic, yet also a story that has a great ending. And all Mike had to do, all Mike did was just started to pray for his neighbor, just to get to know his neighbor and spend time with his neighbor. We sometimes wonder, what can we do as Christians? Sometimes it seems overwhelming. If I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, that's a big, tall order. But yet, what has God called us to do? To love God with everything that we have, our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Mike simply loved Jack as he would love himself. I'd like to go to the book of 1 John. Let's go to 1 John. 1 John, chapter 2. I thought about it this week. I hadn't really preached out of this particular book. And more than, they, they attribute John, 1 John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John to uh, the disciple John. It was probably written later in his life, late 80s, early 90s. And it was written to a Christian community or possibly several communities who that the author was known to them, but there had been some people who were trying to lead the, the Christians astray and finally they left, but there was still questions lingering. And, and so John writes to them and he says, Hey, you know, Jesus did come in the flesh as the son of God. And Jesus showed God's love for us through, uh, through his life. And that true believers love one another as God loved them in Christ. So let's go to 1 John chapter 2. And actually, I, I have it written in, starting at verse 5, but actually, let's start at verse 3. I was, I was rereading this last night. I do want to add this part. Verse 3, it says, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his what? His commands, okay? Or commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is what? A liar, and the truth is not in that person. Now, in verse 5, it says, But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as who? Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing anything new uh, to you. I'm not writing a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates a brother or sister is still in what? Darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or a sister and is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness, they don't know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. So John is pretty firm as he's writing to this group of believers. One of the first things that we can take from this passage is that John is reminding them, hey, we're called to live by the example that Jesus set. 
Now, when we look at the life of Jesus, what did Jesus do? What were some of the examples that he laid out for all of the disciples? What are some of the principal things that he did? He loved one another. He taught them how to love. What did, what did he also tell them that they should do? To serve. Fellowship, right? Forgive. <laughs> right. Right, to love and, and to be faithful, to be generous. There's many things that Jesus taught, but especially that of loving one another. And so much so that he sums up the Ten Commandments. And, and this summation is not just something that he made up, but he actually takes it from Leviticus 19. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we look through the world, does it feel like there's a lot of love going on? How many of you have been troubled by the past couple of days? Wondering what can we do, right? I'm not going to lie. We're living in a very pivotal time in our future. Our world, it seems like it's going around the sun, but oh boy, it seems like every day something keeps, somebody keeps adding a little more charcoal or uh, gas lighter fluid onto the fire, right? We don't quite know what's going to happen. Nevertheless, we do believe that our God is a faithful God. Amen. And just because there are many who we don't know, though, we do recognize, though, that they are still God's children. We should love them as well and be concerned for them. And what's something that we can do for them right now is we can pray for them. We may not be able to literally physically help them, but we can pray for those around the world. So Jesus says, Hey, this is how I want you to live. He, he left the example of um, the Lord's Prayer. This is an example of how you can pray. He also taught, what does it mean to be a neighbor? One of the most famous stories that we know of is the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Where there's this, this guy, he's going down the road and he gets beat up and he's left for dead. And then there's a couple of people who should have helped him. They should have known better, but they don't. And yet who comes by? A Samaritan. And the people that Jesus is talking to are, are people who are supposedly, they, they know the, the scriptures. They should know what they are to believe. And yet there's still a little bit of prejudice in them. And so after Jesus finishes this story, he asks this individual, who was a neighbor to him? And the individual says, the one who had compassion on him. To live as Jesus lived is our true calling in life, to be faithful, but also to live as Jesus lived. The other thing that we can also take is, if you proclaim to love, but you have hatred for others, you are not in the light. Now, let me ask you this. Do you always love and agree with everybody that you come across with? Let's just be honest. No, right? You may, you may sometimes want to have some self-righteous words of wisdom that you would like to impart upon them, right? <laughs> and yet, uh, 
more often than not, that would probably cause even more damage, maybe to your reputation, depending on how hard you go, as far as what you want to say to them, or maybe as you want to wave to them, or uh, maybe as you uh, may want to physically remind them, it all ends in being a bad decision. Amen. May feel good in the moment, but God calls us to love. And yet we have this problem in that, you know, we're not perfect. We are sinners. We have do, we do have, sorry, um, we do have preferences. And let's just be honest, we do have prejudices in some respect. I'm not necessarily, prejudice could mean many things. It could be financial, it could be racial, it could be, uh, it could be uh, cliches that we've known. Yet we have to remember that we are all created in the image of God. We are all brothers and sisters. There's a famous musician that I, I love his music. He's also a surfer. I've um, been following him for many years. And his wife um, owns a, uh, a clothing store. Uh, she's a fashion designer. And, you know, I was curious, you know, what, what did her clothing line look like? So I clicked on it. And I thought, oh, okay, that's an interesting lineup. Definitely not something that I would wear because they were all women's clothes. <laughs> but then I looked at it too. It's like she, she was charging, let's just say, uh, an exorbitant amount on clothing that didn't necessarily look brand new. It was kind of like, do people really buy, do they really spend three, four, five hundred $500 on a dress? And it wasn't like a very nice dress. It wasn't a fancy dress or maybe a blouse, $200 for a blouse. Ladies, would you spend that much on a blouse? Don't answer, don't answer, don't answer. All right. <laughs> maybe you will. Maybe you'll spend $1,000 on shoes. I don't know. Um, now look, if you wanna spend your money, you know, go right ahead. But, but to me, it just it, in my head, it's like, God. But one thing I realized, though, so there, there was a, there's an individual uh, who, uh, he's a self-proclaimed comedian, and sometimes he can be very funny, and sometimes he can be downright cruel. So he happened to be at this store. He thought he would see this musician, and then he went through the store, and he kind of went through everything, and then he basically laid into the fact of, hey, you're selling clothes that are exorbitantly that 95% of most people are not able to purchase. And, you know, it, it was rude. <laughs> and so the fashion designer, she looks and she says, dude, you come in here, you don't even say hi, and you just, you know, make fun of all my clothes. Why, why did you have to do that? And I realized, you know, her business, it was important to her. She'd spent painstaking time, many hours and many, many, I, I don't know, I'm just gonna say probably millions of dollars crafting and designing and making sure that everything was built to suit how she wanted it to be, making sure that the people, the manufacturers did it the right way or maybe she did it. She had to oversee this progress. It was a struggle, it was a lot of work. She'd put time into this. It was her creation. Somebody came in, never even said hi, and basically just ridiculed her for it. 
how often when we look at other people and they say or do something that we don't like and we say something and we ridicule, we, we, we make fun of, or we think we're better than them, and yet we're all God's creation. When we make fun of other people, we're ridiculing God's creation. Hmm. So if we proclaim to love, but we have hatred for others, our world's a little dark. We're not in the light. To love one another, to love your neighbor is what God, again, is calling us to do, not to live by hate. Hatred is blinding. Hatred doesn't solve anything. If anything, it, uh, it, it makes what? The world go what? Go dark and go blind, right? And hatred for sure, when you're so angry at somebody, it can cause us to do things that we shouldn't do. So God is calling us, hey, you're to be an example. I'm calling you as, as believers in Jesus, as, as my followers. Don't live as the world does, but live by the example that I have set and it's a better way. So love your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean to, to love your neighbor to even start that process? Well, number one, uh, you should say hello. <laughs> so basic, right? And yet how many of us really sometimes we just, we go around, maybe we've just moved to a new place and you, you, you wanna say hi to people, but everybody just, at least here, okay, now I have to, I have to clarify, we, where do we live? We live in Southern California, all right? Are we known for being super friendly? I know somebody snickering back there, right? I heard it. We are not known for being generous and loving and kind. We're very, we keep to ourselves. And if you have a neighbor, if you live in a complex, we don't even look at each other in the eye. We may just, you know, kind of like, hey, and just keep walking by, right? That's horrible. You go somewhere else. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I think I told this story, Lisa and I were, we were in Florida on Amelia Island and we, we talked to the cash register because uh, we were buying some kind of like, you know, little, little something to take back home as a reminder. And she genuinely said, hey, how are you? Where are you from? And so glad to have you here. And I was so surprised at her sincerity. It's like, well, that's not like California. We're rude. Now I'm not saying everybody's rude, but I'm, look, and look, I, I know I am the pot and the kettle as well. I do the same thing. So I'm not trying to throw stones. I do the same thing too sometimes. But I, I've realized that even in the last couple of years, I've tried to be more intentional about trying to get to know my neighbors. And it's frustrating when they don't even recognize you. It's like, dude, just say hi. <laughs> even on the road, when I ride my bike, okay, the rule is you don't just ride by another cyclist or even a jogger. You at the very least, you flip your hand up and give a little wave. You could even keep your hand on the handlebar. And as long as you, you know, wave a little bit or nod your head, you're good. If you don't, judgment is upon you. Okay. Rude. Um, kindness, starting with hello. And it takes us 
actually getting outside of our home and creating opportunities. So what could that look like? Well, when's the last time you walked through your neighborhood? We did that recently. Uh, was it last month? We, you know, uh, like 12 of us got together. We actually just walked around our church neighborhood. But we shouldn't just be doing that here. We should be doing that in our own neighborhoods. Maybe you live in an apartment or a condo complex. Have you walked around your own complex? Do you take time to pray for that complex as you walk by your neighbors? You don't know who they are, but at the very least, you could pray for them. Create opportunities. Well, you know, <laughs> I was looking at opportunities. What could you do? Well, <laughs> somebody said, put a bonfire right in front of your driveway, <laughs> which I think is actually really awesome. That's a great way to meet people. People love fire, especially kids. Not trying to teach anything. But what a great, safe opportunity, hopefully, <laughs> for your kids to be able to see fire, to roast s'mores. There's just something about a campfire when you get together that you let your hair down and you start to have conversations. There's something wonderful about fire. But create opportunities. When you meet your neighbors, don't wait for them to come to you. Be intentional. You have to create opportunities. So walk by. Say hello, or at least nod your head. <laughs> but also, as you meet neighbors, try to find common ground. You'd be amazed at what you find when you meet your neighbors. Maybe not right away, but maybe your neighbors have a special talent. Maybe one's a world-renowned chef, one's a musician, one is a lawyer, one is a, uh, a sanitation technician, whatever it may be. Until we actually get to know our neighbors, we're losing opportunities to grow and to better our lives because we can only do that when we get to know people and have conversations and share our perspective. So find common ground. The other opportunity is to learn from your neighbor. Maybe there's a skill that you don't know. Maybe you do not know how to mow your lawn, all right? Or, or uh, uh, you know, take care of your house. One of the beautiful things that if you know your neighbor, maybe they have the knowledge and if they're willing that much better, they can help you save some money. Amen. Any of you homeowners, you know how much it costs to take care of a house? It's a lot of money, right? So learn, find opportunities to learn from your neighbor. But as you're, hanging out with your neighbors, be generous with your neighbors. Sometimes you're going to have a neighbor who just may be in need. Maybe they'll need some salt or sugar as the old adage goes, right? But we live in a time where things are very difficult and they may not need anything, but maybe they just need somebody to listen because they had a really, really bad day. Maybe their, their child got into a fight and they got suspended and, you know, she doesn't know how to deal with her son. There's also opportunities, especially, I love talking to people who've had uh, experienced more uh, trips around the sun because they have a lot of knowledge and wisdom that we sometimes don't even realize. There's a lot of wisdom in individuals who've gone around the sun a few more times than we have. Opportunities for mentorship. And we don't even have to call that mentorship, but building relationships. Why? So we can grow and we can be better equipped for the future. 
but also to be a neighbor, you have to be trustworthy. How many of you have lost trust in your neighbor? Hmm. It's not fun, right? Be that neighbor that people can go to when there's either time of crisis or just to say hello and know that they're there. But also be kind and fair. Be kind and fair. Finally, live peacefully. <laughs> How many of you love your neighbors? I love all of them. I don't always get along with all of them, <laughs> to be honest. There's one particular individual that sometimes can be very, very difficult. And so um, I love him, but he's very difficult. Now, God calls us to love, so I'm going to love him. I know that. And so I didn't realize the impact that neighbors could have until Lisa and I, when we moved into our home that we live in now, we have a neighbor. Um, I'm not going to give her real name, but I'm just going to call her Lana. Okay. Lana was in her home. Uh, she lived in that whole apartment complex the whole time that I lived there, which was nine years. And wonderful, beautiful soul. When I first moved in, um, she had a son. And I don't, unfortunately, I don't remember his name. But um, he was young. He was probably in his early 20s. And I noticed he looked rather thin. He loved to go to the gym and he loved going to the hot tub. Because <laughs> when I would come home, I would see him coming back from the pool area. After some time though, I didn't see him for a while. And one day I saw Lana on the stairs that divided our units that went upstairs. She was out smoking a cigarette, just looking dejected and deflated. And I asked her, is, is everything okay? She said her son had just died from um, cancer. Obviously I was, you know, I was, heartbroken for her. And I said, look, I'm sorry, you know, um, I, and it's just one of those things. I wasn't expecting that. I said, look, I'm a pastor. If you would like, I can pray for you. And she said, yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate that. And um, nothing much else happened after that. Uh, but over time, every time I saw her, I just would intentionally just say, hey, great to see you. And then when Jack came along, Oh my word, uh, she just, she would always see Jack and she, her face would just light up. She would love Jackson. So that would probably, that was another, I don't know, five years later, we eventually decided we were, we were gonna move to where we live now. And when I told her we were moving, <laughs> you could see on her face, something was like, it struck a nerve. And all we did was we would just see each other in passing as she was walking up the sidewalk to, to our units. We would always just say hi. Just as we were leaving, she said, please, I know you're leaving, but next time you're in this area, please, I want you to come by uh, just for a little bit. I wanted to share something with you. So I think maybe two, three weeks later, we came back. And it was weird because we didn't live there. It's like... Our, our door was right there. Yeah, we couldn't go in. It was just really weird. 
We knocked on the door and she said she invited us in. She was very welcoming. And we sat on her couch. And I remember that it was a very surreal experience for me. Um, and she just basically said, I know we don't know each other well. We really only know our names. But I knew that I could always count on you and depend on you to be there with a warm smile and greet me. And over the past couple of years, that has meant so much to me. After her son had passed, it had been very difficult. And I realized it wasn't that we were just living there, but we were making an impact on her life without even knowing it. We just, we were saying hi. Nighting Jackson run around her, and she enjoyed that. But the impact that we didn't, had no idea the impact that we were having on her life. And all it did, all we started with was a simple hello. In fact, I didn't pick up on her name until she was walking by. She worked for a preschool and her name tag was on her and I just started to call her. She never asked me for my name <laughs> until the end. You know, in fact, I didn't even, she didn't even have to ask. I'd be, hey, you know, Lana, my name's Chris, my wife, Lisa. You never know the impact that you're gonna have on your neighbors with just simply being present and simply saying hello. We exchanged addresses. We had a few, a few um, correspondences, but since then, I don't know what happened. She hasn't responded. I hope everything is okay. She may have moved, I don't know. But Lana is definitely uh, somebody that has been near and dear to my heart. And even now I wish we could reach out. I try to email her pictures and hopefully she receives them of you know how, you know, we try to do like a little family photo, but little things like that, you have no idea how far they can go. So as followers of Jesus, may you love, may you love well, may you say hello. So what do we do from here? Reflection of the eight connection points that we, we just listed, where are two that you find that you do well, that you're gifted in, okay? Maybe that's of getting to know people's names, uh, being kind and patient, saying hello, right? And then where are two that you know, I or you can improve on? For me, this week, I'm gonna learn at least two people's names this week, okay? I've only met, maybe gotten four or five out of the several years that we've lived there, so, I got a challenge on my task, all right? I'm letting it be known. <laughs> what can you do? Where are two areas that you can work on? Finally, explore your neighborhood. Say hello to everyone you meet and learn one new neighbor's name this week, just one. If you know all of your neighbors, try to find one fact about them that you didn't know, all right? Sound good? And it's my prayer that you will be able to increase your neighborhood connections for Jesus. May the Lord bless you, lead you, and guide you. God, as we have uh, wrapped up this series, Lord, on the importance of connecting with one another, Lord, we've talked about our connections with our spouses, our, our family at large, our neighbors, and not just our neighborhoods, but Lord, this could apply to our our coworkers, Lord, our classmates, um, our gym, uh, fellow gym members, wherever we go, Lord, may we apply these principles 
and be faithful. And Lord, really ministry, it's not rocket science, Lord. It's simply loving others as you loved us. So may, lo- may we love well and may we be the people that you've called us to be, to be ambassadors in, in Downey and wherever we live and wherever we work, wherever we go. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, everyone. Next week, Pastor Bob's going to be back. He's going to be talking about the three C's. So look forward to it. Take care.